Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Carolina Casuals. I'm Justin, and I'm, of course, joined by my brother, Noah. Hello, everybody. Hope everybody's doing well. We've got another exciting episode for you today, but before we jump in, I want to go ahead and remind everybody that if you've enjoyed our podcast thus far, make sure you're leaving a five-star review. Go ahead and comment below as well what you thought of this week's episode. While you're there, go ahead and follow us on social media, both Instagram and Facebook, at Carolina Casuals Podcast. Make sure you're following us to stay up to date on all the most recent information regarding this podcast. There's a lot to talk about this weekend off a thrilling weekend of football. So let's begin in Death Valley, where the ACC powers Florida State and Clemson faced off for what could possibly be ultimate ACC supremacy. Florida State edged Clemson in overtime 31 to 24. Jordan Travis passed for 289 yards and two touchdowns. Cade Klubnick had 283 yards and one touchdown. Trey Benson for Florida State, just 25 yards as the Seminoles could not quite get the run game going. Phil Maffa for Clemson at 69 yards on 10 carries. Johnny Wilson led in receiving yards for the for Florida State, while Tyler Brown led with 84 yards for Clemson. Justin, we'd like to I think everybody would like to hear from our resident Clemson fan here. What was your reaction to this thriller of a game? Well, I'll begin by saying it it was a very good game to watch. Both teams, I thought, played well. I know Clemson lost the game, and it's already our second loss of the season through September, which is a tough pill to swallow. Unlike the loss to Duke, I thought Clemson overall played better than they did in that game. The biggest thing was is we had the one turnover where it was a delayed blitz, offensive line misses the protection or either maybe we don't have enough people there to pick up the blocker and hits Cade blind and knocks the ball loose. Florida State picks it up, runs it back for a touchdown. And that essentially kept Florida State in the game. They weren't able to do much of anything else offensively. Clemson overall outgained Florida State by over 100 yards of offense, most of it being on the ground. Look, Clemson can feel pretty good with how the game went outside of the result. Again, that one turnover is killer. Not being able to force a turnover is killer. But I thought overall it was decent. Cade had a decent showing, I thought, for the most part. Again, the fumble, not entirely his fault. Just It was a solid performance, but again, another moment where When you're playing a team that's as good as Florida State is, you just can't make mistakes like that as a team, and it cost us. And give Florida State all the credit in the world. They fought for this game. Even though Clemson led most of the game, Florida State hung in there, took the punches, and ultimately gave them back to Clemson. And that's why they're the fourth-ranked team in the country and undefeated, and that's why Clemson's 2-2 and is just can't quite – keep enough mistakes from happening to win the game. Now, obviously, Clemson is probably out of the running at this point for the ACC. I think there's too much other talent left in the conference to be able to to get back up in that fight. Obviously, Florida State, Duke still undefeated. Clemson's got lost to both of those teams, so they'd all have to lose three times in conference, which I just don't see happening. So I think Clemson... I mean, the season's not done. Obviously, 
Clemson can still finish with a with a solid record, but I think it's going to be it's going to fall short of the standard, and I think there's going to be a lot of questions asked of the program, and maybe deservingly so. But we're going to see how this team bounces back if they continue to fight this season or if they fold. And I think it's up to the coaching staff to prove that they can make this team keep fighting. First off, what I want to say is. I think what I saw is a lot of what Clemson can be. And yes, I agree. They're probably out of the running for the ACC championship. Definitely, I think, out of the running for the playoff at this point. There is a very good chance that Clemson can turn this season around, still win nine or ten games. You know, I don't think this is a team that's going to go six and six or something like that. The second thing I want to say is to all the Clemson fans who are mad at the kicker. Yes, he's got to hit the field goal. But let's be reminded of the fact that he did just join the team this week expecting to start a completely different job up in New York, and he was called this week to join the team. Now, to the game itself. I agree with you. Clemson, it's another situation like the Duke game where if you just look at the box store, box score, Clemson was better on, on first downs, better at getting third down more total yards, very similar passing yards, way more rushing yards, possess the ball more. And I'm not even sure if you can come down to where Clemson didn't finish in the red zone. But this was one of those games where, and we saw it with some other games later in that day, all it takes is one play. And the one thing I will say is Clemson could not figure out how to stop that corner blitz that Florida State was running. Florida State would send one of those defensive backs slightly after and the offensive lineman was not able or not able to pick it up. And ultimately that's what forces that fumble and probably is why Florida state wins the game. So I agree when you look at Clemson, it's not all bad, but I think, and this is just, I think part of hopefully what they can get out of Cade Klubnik situations you saw at the end of the game, both sides, I think mishandled the end of that game entirely. You had Clemson in the fourth quarter, I think, could have maybe been a little more aggressive instead of putting it on the foot of the kicker that just came in this week. Florida State basically deciding we're just going to throw one-on-one balls down the field and see if they can win on their last drive. You had Clemson who couldn't get a Hail Mary off at the end of regulation. And then in overtime on that third down play, I understand that you want to call something different. But if you're Kate Klubnik, you've got to know. I saw somebody say this this week too, and I agree. You've got to know the situation's third and one. You've got two downs to get a yard. Don't throw a pass behind the line of scrimmage outside the numbers. That is asking for trouble. And so I'm hoping maybe for Cade this is a learning moment and that he can understand that just situationally, there have just got to be some moments that Clemson's got to be better. They're a good team, but there are situations that they've just got to figure out how to execute better. And that's what you saw this weekend. Look, moments win and lose games. And this was one of those that, while Clemson played well, Florida State had the moments. Florida State had the fumble recovery. Florida State had the kick that Clemson missed. Florida State had the first play touchdown in in overtime. Obviously, if you're going to beat a team like Florida State, you have to do well in three phases of the game. And special teams had been a struggle all season so far. I don't I'm with you. I don't like that we're playing so conservative and playing for a field goal on our second to last possession of regulation. I think you play a little more aggressive there and try to at least make the field goal a little bit easier 
He had been a little shaky with his kicks all day. I didn't like that decision. However, I do want to say this. The catch in overtime for Florida State to score the touchdown was incredible. Mm -hmm. But I can't help but wonder what would have happened if Nate Wiggins had still been in the game. Yeah, and that was – yeah. that was. I hated that on the last play, on that fourth down play of Florida State's driver, they went for it, that he lands in – I don't know what the prognosis is. My gut reaction was he broke his foot. And I don't know if that's what actually happened, but that's what it looked like. That touchdown pass was caught over a defensive back that was filling in for Wiggins, who had had an incredible game. He had been so good one-on-one on the outside. And to not have him on that play, I'm not going to make the excuse that that would have made the difference Coleman may still have been able to catch that ball, but I just would have liked to have known what would have happened, but we never will. But I am with you on Clemson's overtime possession drive. I like the pl- I don't mind the play call of the option play to help pull some defenders out, but that's a scenario where if you're Cade, you just you n- always hand that ball off. Yeah. It's third and one, it's four down territory you always hand that ball up, put Phil Moffat in the game and you're always handing that ball off. And and then find a way to put that fourth down throw, at least a little bit in the vicinity. I mean, that fourth down throw is not even close. Yeah. And again, that's where I go back to moments, win and lose games. The moments from Clemson were losing moments. The moments for Florida state were winning moments. And that's the difference. And the other thing real quick before we move on, you talked about that that play for Florida State in overtime. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying this was a mistake necessarily, but, you know, you mentioned Florida State, Johnny, yes, Johnny Wilson is six foot seven, but Macaba on the other side of the field, he had been locking Wilson down on the outside. They would hit Wilson inside the numbers, but Wilson was not really doing well one-on-one on the outside. Mm-hmm. And so I guess what I would ask you is in that situation, you know, you're starting corners out. If you're Dabo, you got to know they're going to go right at your backup. Do you not keep a safety over top to help out in that situation? And you know what? If you throw one-on-one the other side and Johnny Wilson goes up and beats your starting corner, you're not, you're in a just the same situation that you would have been if you had him throw against your backup. I guess, would you not have liked to have seen maybe Goodwin put a safety over top just to help out the corner that's just coming in? The difficult thing for that is a big defensive scheme change to make on the spot like that. You know, had that been maybe had Wiggins gotten hurt earlier in the fourth quarter, I think you probably would have seen that. But because it was so close to the end of the game and because that coverage had worked so well all game long, I'm not going to necessarily fault Goodwin for that. That's a tough change to make at the last section, the last second. I do agree. You, you know, in hindsight, you probably do put an extra man over there, but I'm not really going to fault Goodwin for that. That's, that's a big change to make right before the end of the game with a coverage that had worked really well. Yeah. So, but kudos to Florida state shout out to our mamaw. I will <laughs> be paying my end of the bet this Sunday. What's the what's what's the bet? Well, we have a running bet every year that uh, I, the loser, has to wear article of clothing from the winning team. Our grandmother, of course, graduated from Florida State for five years. 
She has worn Clemson apparel on Sundays in church. And for the first time since we started the bet, I will be returning the favor. So, yeah, not looking forward to that. It's not going to be very enjoyable. Let's move on now to a bit of a surprising result from the weekend. And that was from the Wake Forest Demon Deacons hosting Georgia Tech on Saturday in a game that you and I were both very confident that Wake Forest should not have too many issues pulling that game out. But it was Georgia Tech who came to Winston-Salem and picks up the big win, 30-16. to Griffiths, the Wake Forest quarterback, 16 of 30 for 162. But one touchdown, but three interceptions on the day. Wake ran the ball well with 18 carries, 137 yards. To add to the three interceptions, another two lost fumbles, so five total turnovers on the day for Wake Forest. Even though Georgia Tech had 14 penalties for 142 yards, the five turnovers was going to be too much for Wake Forest to overcome, and Georgia Tech gets the big road win. Noah, we were feeling good about this Wake team so far, but after this loss, to, this ugly loss to Georgia Tech at that, what's your reaction? Well, this is just what we love about football, where you know we can be so confident in something, and all of a sudden Georgia Tech comes out and surprises you and wins by two touchdowns. Five turnovers is just so hard to overcome, and it's because it's one of those where Georgia Tech can, as even as many penalties as Georgia Tech has, if you keep turning the football over, that's points that you're not getting. And Wake Forest showed that. Georgia Tech had several big plays for touchdowns as well. They had a 31-yard touchdown and a 33-yard touchdown and a 26-yard touchdown. Good for Georgia Tech to go out there and get a win. And Wake Forest, this this was a problem last year too. There was there was a stretch last year for Wake um, when they had a huge turnover bug. And it led to some surprising losses there in the middle of the season. And so I'm hoping for Wake that this isn't going to be a huge issue going forward. But 162 yards, three interceptions is a rough day at the office for Wake Forest. Yeah, I mean, give Georgia Tech credit. They gave Ole Miss all they could handle last week before Ole Miss pulled away. And they brought it to Wake Forest this week. Five turnovers is way too much. You can't expect to win a game turning the ball over five times. It's a bit of a surprise with how well Wake had looked to start the season. Now, obviously, they struggled against Old Dominion last week. They ended up winning that game. You and I were fairly confident that that would be a bit of a wake-up call and that they would just continue moving forward. But maybe it was a signal of things to come because this was an ugly way to lose this game against Georgia Tech. I'm a little concerned now for Wake Forest, definitely more so than I was through the first couple weeks because, let's be honest, Wake and, you know, three and one's a nice looking record, but they should probably be two and two. So, definitely something to keep an eye on moving forward is how they look as conference play starts to to get into full swing. But a couple of dodgy performances from Wake, I don't know how to feel right now about them. Well, and. They've got an off week this week. Maybe that's what they need. Well, and if you're awake, it does not get any easier because you have a schedule and a schedule that includes going and taking a trip to Death Valley. You've got Florida State and Duke in back-to-back weeks. 
and Notre Dame still on the schedule. I mean, Georgia, Georgia Tech's uh, feels like if you're a Wake fan, that's one of those where you walk away feeling like, well, this is not a game we should have dropped. Now, maybe Georgia Tech comes out and wins 10 games. We don't know. But props to Georgia Tech for the win. And like I said, if you're Wake, this is a tough one to swallow at home, especially looking at what's left on the schedule. Let's move on now to some quick takes from the past weekend, starting with University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, winning in Pittsburgh 41-24. to Drake May, 22 of 30, 296 and a touchdown. Big day for J.J. Jones, six catches, 117. Noah, a bit more of what we expected, but the Tar Heels stay undefeated. Yeah, it, it took like it Pitt hung with them for a while, but I think honestly that left-handed touchdown pass by Drake May might have turned the tide because that obviously is something that gets UNC very pumped up. And you saw in the sec in the second half, UNC was able to just open it up and win by 17. So good win, good win for UNC on the road. Their rivals, Duke, were up in Connecticut this weekend, where Duke picks up another commanding victory 41 to 7 over UConn Riley Leonard 23 of 34 for 248 and a touchdown also led the team in rushing Noah more of what we expected from the Blue Devils but an important win nonetheless well this was a game that I, I don't remember if we said this last week or not but this was a game that I we were like we know Duke is probably going to win this game, but they better not overlook UConn. And boy, they did not. And let's be honest, it was basically a shutout. UConn scored with 12 seconds left. Pretty much had a shutout for Duke, but a big win in a week that could be easy to overlook for Duke. Going back to Friday night, NC State was up in Virginia. And it was not pretty, but NC State able to hang on on a game-winning field goal with no time on the clock, NC State keeps Virginia winless with a 24-21 victory. Armstrong goes 15 of 30 for 180 with two touchdowns and a pick. Once again, led the team in rushing. Like I said, Noah, not pretty, but State finds a way to win. Not pretty, and State very well could have lost this game. UVA handed them three penalties late and three of them that were just I mean just brutal penalties that were just mistakes just mental mistakes by Virginia so credit to state to pull it out but that one very easily could have gone Virginia's way at the end had they not had those penalties last one from college this week South Carolina Gets back on the winning ways with a win over Mississippi State, 37-30 to after playing Georgia tight. The previous weekend, South Carolina, even though the scoreboard says it was close, South Carolina never trailed in this game. Game always felt like it was in their hands. They do ultimately get the win. Radler, not asked to do as much this week. 18 of 20 for 288 and three touchdowns. 189 and two of those touchdowns went to Leggett, who had a massive day receiving maybe a little outshone an impressive performance from Mississippi State from Griffin, seven catches for 256 and one touchdown. But ultimately not enough to overcome the Gamecocks. Important win for them, don't you think? Very much so. And I think the one of the takeaways, Spencer Rattler, by the way, on the season is now completing just under 75% of his passes. He is not putting the ball on the ground very often. 
you gave up four sacks. The O-line, I think, still be a little bit of a concern. And defensively, it's been a rough couple weeks for South Carolina. I mean, obviously, you know, they played much better last week against Georgia, but they've given up some points to a lot of the rest of their opponents. So good win, especially have Rattler be able to play as well as he did. But defensively, they're going to have to step up for this week. And our last recap from the weekend as we move to the NFL, the Carolina Panthers were on the road in Seattle. No Bryce Young heading into the week as he was nursing an ankle injury. And Seattle gets the win 37-27. to Annie Dalton had a good game in relief of Bryce, 34 of 58 for 361 and two touchdowns. Adam Thielen with 11 catches for 145 and a touchdown. Did not run the ball particularly well, but more importantly, picked up a few more injuries in this game. Of course, obviously, Shaq, Thompson, and J.C. Horn already out of the lineup, as well as Austin Corbett and Brady Christensen on the offensive line. Frankie Louvu goes down with an injury. Xavier Woods at safety goes down. Jonathan Mingo picks up a concussion. C.J. Henderson got dinged up in this game. Look, this was a this was a brutal game for the Panthers, but once again kept it close, and Seattle pulled away in the end. There was some good and bad to this game. The bad is all those, especially those defensive injuries. The defense is just getting decimated, especially on the back end. And there was a report today that looks like Xavier Woods is going to miss four to six weeks, which is a brutal hit for the secondary already missing J.C. Horn. But if there's one thing I can take away, whoever and however was calling the offensive plays this week, let's keep that because there were so many more open receivers that it looked like Andy was able to find. And so what I hope Bryce, I'm hoping Bryce on the sideline saw that this week and is able to help read some of those defenses better because, I mean, Adam Thielen going off for 145 yards and just, like I said, so many more openings for the receivers. I don't know if that's play calling, if that's playing better from the receivers, if that's just having a veteran quarterback who's seen NFL defenses, but whatever it was, let's find a way to replicate that when Bryce comes back because the offense looked so much better than it had in weeks before. Let's move on now to the upcoming games this week. Previewing and picking each of the matchups in Carolina sports. We're going to start this week in the NFL. Panthers this week playing host to Minnesota. Justin, what you think? Who you got? Minnesota, three and a half point road favorite. Yeah, both of these teams have struggled to start the season. Of course, both teams are 0-3. Panthers get their second home game. I'm a little worried coming in as to what we're going to look like, particularly with all the defensive injuries. You could tell at the end of the Seattle game, the cracks started to show with all the backups that were in. And let's be honest, without J.C. Horn on the field and potentially without C.J. Henderson on the field, don't know what his status is going to be. I have no blooming idea who's going to cover Justin Jefferson. And so I think if we're going to win this game, it would have to be in a shootout. And I'm not sure our offense is capable of winning a shootout. So I'm going to go with the Vikings win. Probably similar to how every other game's gone. Keep it close early. But like I said, I don't think we can make enough stops on Justin Jefferson. I think it could be. I think turnovers are our best shot at winning this game. But I think Minnesota I think three and a half point favorite is is probably fair. I'm going to go with the Vikings. 
this is tough because I disagree. I think our offense, if we play like we played last week, can score on Minnesota's defense. We've got to get Frankie Louvu back. If Frankie Louvu's back this week and we have a shout at stopping the run, because if we can't stop the run, then that makes it even easier for Justin Jefferson to get open. But I think we can win a shootout. I'm going to go a little bold here. I think the Panthers pick up their first win. I think I'm going to trust that the coaches are going to have seen what worked this week. And regardless of who's playing quarterback, they're going to find a way to step in and figure it out. And I think that will help getting some drives together against another average defense might help our defense as they're not going to have to be going in and out so much. So I'm going to take the Panthers at home in a shootout in a very, very close game. I believe the over-under is 45 and a half. I am fully taking the over, but give me the Panthers at home. Let's get in now to the college ranks starting on Friday night. Louisville heading to Raleigh to take on NC State. Louisville's actually a three-point road favorite in this game. Justin, who you taking? Louisville has looked very good to start the season. No, they haven't necessarily played anybody yet, but they have dominated the teams that they should be dominating. And State has not been doing that. They struggled against Virginia. They got thrashed by Notre Dame. They struggled against UConn. I really don't see a world right now where NC State wins this game. I just have not seen enough from them to be convinced that they can they can beat this Louisville team as hot as they are. I'm going to take the Cardinals, and I think it'll probably be more than the three points that they are currently giving Louisville. I agree. I, th- I agree that with Louisville, I don't think it's going to be a blowout, though, because let's be honest, Louisville, yes, they had that big win against Boston College last week. They beat Georgia Tech by five and Indiana by a touchdown. And neither of those teams are necessarily great, although Georgia Tech did just have a big win this weekend. So I think Louisville wins because I think Louisville's a little bit more balanced and they've looked a little bit better in some of their games. But I think this could be a little bit closer. It might still go over the three points, but I'm not sure if Louisville's going to go blow them out, especially because it's in Raleigh. So give me Louisville, I think inside 10. And let's move on to the next game on the schedule. Clemson heading up to undefeated Syracuse. Clemson coming off that heartbreaker last week, still a seven-point road favorite. What you thinking, Justin? I'm surprised that we are favored by seven. That seems like an awfully big spread to have for this week. I think Clemson will win this game. Syracuse, although they've played well against Clemson the last couple years, they just can't really seem to figure out how to beat Clemson. I know they're at home, but... I think Clemson will win. I think it'll be close. I think Syracuse will play us well. They usually do. I think it'll be inside the seven points that they're currently giving Clemson on the road. But I am going to take the Tigers to get to three and two. I agree. It's going to be close. If for no other reason, Clemson is coming off of a heartbreaker. And so you got to wonder what, what is Clemson's mindset coming into this game? And for Syracuse, this can almost feel like Syracuse's Super Bowl because they've come so close as hard as I find it to believe that Clemson's going to have three losses in September. I'm going to take Syracuse in a very close game because I just feel like this could be a game. Clemson's just going to be coming off a letdown and a heartbreaker to Florida state where they put everything they had into that game. 
And I think Syracuse is going to be motivated to beat them. I think it will be a very close, like walk-off field goal and near the end of the game touchdown type of thing, uh, regardless of who wins. But I think I'm going to take Syracuse in a very close game. Let's move on now to the SEC. South Carolina heading up to Rocky Top to take on 21st-ranked Tennessee. Tennessee, a 12.5-point favorite. Keep in mind, USC upset a top 10 Tennessee team last season. What are you thinking in this one, Justin? South Carolina, I am really shocked that they are 12 and a half point dogs in this game. As close as they played Georgia, I watched Florida tear apart this Tennessee team. And the way Spencer Radler has played this year, I have a tough time believing that they that they can't do to Tennessee what Florida did. So I think South Carolina is going to go into Tennessee and get a win. I I'm not I'm not convinced by this Tennessee team. I just haven't seen it from them and to lose that game like they did against Florida. I'm not sure that this Tennessee team's going to be able to to keep up with South Carolina. Look, we've seen their offense take care of themselves Rattlers looked great I'm gonna take the Gamecocks to win on the road again another game that I think is gonna be close and I think this game is gonna be a shootout um because I don't think either of these defenses is very good I think the reason I'm gonna go Tennessee is because it's in Rocky Top and I think Tennessee is gonna have revenge on their mind from a year ago most Tennessee fans will tell you if they'd won that game they would have been in the playoff and most of the Tennessee players would tell you the exact same thing. I think Tennessee is going to have revenge on their mind. It's going to be a rocking crowd in Knoxville, Tennessee, in a close, high-scoring game. Let's move on now to the biggest game of the weekend, number 11 Notre Dame, traveling to number 17 Duke. College game day coming to Durham, North Carolina for the first time ever, 7.30 on ABC. Notre Dame is a five and a half point road favorite. Justin, what is your biggest key for this game in your mind for either team? Well, first of all, I think it is fair to say that this is probably the biggest game in the history of Duke football. I don't think they have ever had a more meaningful, more important game than this one right here. With that said, the key for me for Duke is they have to stop Notre Dame's run game. That is the only chance that they have at winning this game because estimate so far this year, 77 carries for 591 yards. He is averaging 7.6 yards per carry, which is just an absurd number. If Duke can slow him down, that will help them beat Notre Dame. The advantage that Duke does have in this game is that Notre Dame's quarterback is former Demon Deacon Sam Hartman, who Duke is very familiar with, who has beaten when he was at Wake Forest, knows the things that he likes to do. That's where I think Duke can, can get an edge defensively in this game, but it starts with stopping the run. If they can't contain Notre Dame's run game, I don't think they have any chance at getting the win. I think Duke can win, I but I think Duke has to play 
a perfect game against a bigger Notre Dame team. I think they can do it, but I think I'm going to pick Notre Dame to win. I just think there's too many things that have to go right for Duke. I think they've got a shot. I'm not going to count them out. I'm not going to be too surprised if they win this game. But I think it's going to be an uphill battle for Duke. I'm going to say Notre Dame wins. I do think it will be close. I think it Duke will definitely at least cover that spread of five and a half. But I think Notre Dame will find a way to win this game late. So I agree. This I would say this is the biggest game Duke has ever had. Because this is also the most attention and the most notoriety Duke has had coming into this game. I was very confident in Notre Dame as a team the first three weeks. And then I saw last week, I saw them go up against an Ohio State team who's good, but they had very much underwhelmed the first couple weeks. And Sam Hartman could not get a lot going. That game, Estime only had 70 yards on 14 carries. I think the key for Notre Dame is find a way to get Sam Hartman back on track because Duke's defense has played well thus far this year. I think they've only allowed 14 points on the season or 21 points or something along those lines. But we've seen throughout the years, Duke's corners are vulnerable. And so I think if you're Sam Hartman, if you can attack those corners, it will help your run game that's been so consistent get better. And for Duke, Riley Leonard has to play the best game of his life. He is going to half. He's been such a great threat running the ball. Waters has been so good running the ball. But Leonard's going to have to at least double his touchdown count passing wise. He's got two touchdown passes on the year. He needs at least that, if probably not even three for Duke to win this game. But I think the team is going to have to run through Riley Leonard and you need the Riley Leonard, Jalen Calhoun connection to be as strong as it's ever been. I, and I'm going to be honest, I'm going to pick a little bit with my heart here because I do agree Duke can win this game. And I think Duke is going to win this game. I think Notre Dame could be emotionally drained after such a close gut-wrenching loss. Duke is going to come in like this is their Super Bowl. Um, Because if you're Duke, you have to come in like this is your Super Bowl. Elko is going to get them fired up. I think they're going to play well. It's going to be really close because Notre Dame is still a really good team. But I think Duke is going to win a very close, hard-fought game in front of the sold-out crowd in Durham with game day there and everything. So give me the Blue Devils at home to take down Notre Dame. Who do you, who do you think they're going to get to be the guest picker? That's actually a great question. I don't know. My gut says coach K, right? If that has to be the first call, coach K has got to be the first call outside of that. Obviously, uh, Ken Jong who graduated from Duke, maybe you get one of the former basketball players. Maybe Jason Tatum comes down which would be a lot of fun. J.J. Redick, maybe. Hill. There's a lot of Duke guys that work at ESPN, so maybe you find one of those guys. I think there's there's a few options, but, I mean, Coach K's got to be the first call. And now we move on to what has probably become my favorite segment, and that is our favorite (laughs) moment. Obviously, we talk a lot about Carolina sports on this podcast, but football spans beyond just the Carolinas, and we want to use this time to recognize our favorite moment from this week, the best thing that we saw from across the national landscape when it comes to football. And for this week, I'm going to turn it over to Noah 
uh, for an absolute gem of a moment. Thank you, Justin. So this week for our favorite thing, we head up to Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville this past week was playing host to Boston College. The final score of this game was lopsided, but that's not what we're paying attention to. With about 12 minutes left in the second quarter, Louisville was leading 21 to nothing. They decided to run a play where I guess the offensive lineman's trying to fake out the defense or something. And so what their plan was, they snapped the ball, and you see the offensive lineman just do a cartwheel in the middle of the play. It, I, I, it's so random, but you watch it, and it's so funny. And the only thing I can think is, oh my gosh, you're up 21 to nothing, and you're pulling this out. This is so disrespectful, but it's also so funny to watch. Yeah, if you haven't seen the clip, I highly recommend you go search it. You can probably just go to YouTube and search Louisville offensive line cartwheel. And I mean, the dude is just like, you can hear it on the broadcast. He's screaming and just does a cartwheel. And again, like you're up 21 to nothing. There's absolutely no need for you to do that. Why don't you just rub it in Boston College's face that you're going to absolutely destroy them? Well, and and they they kind of they almost got what they deserved, being honest, because you watch the whole play and it's almost a turnover. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they fumbled, they fumbled the ball, and the ball luckily went out of bounds. Otherwise, Boston College was going to get the ball back. So, one of those moments that you just you laugh at it because it's just some of these things that these coaches and these teams will do just make you smile and show how much fun football is. I also will point out that when you watch the clip, it it doesn't work. The defense just kind of goes towards the direction of the ball. <laughs> and that's probably what makes it even funnier is that nobody on the defense fell for it. And you just have this the right tackle just doing cartwheels in the middle of the field for no reason. It's great. Thank you so much for joining us again this week on another episode of the Carolina Casuals. If you enjoyed, make sure you leave us a five star review and leave a comment down below on what you're expecting from this upcoming weekend or what you thought of this week's episode. While you're there, go ahead and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Carolina Casuals Podcast. Follow us to make sure that you're staying up to date on the most recent information regarding this podcast. Thanks again for joining us this week. He's Noah, I'm Justin, and we will see you next time when we recap College Game Day's weekend in Durham, as well as other major events from football across the Carolinas. Have a great one, everyone.